Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. My name is Monica, and today we will be discussing the newest entry into the DC Extended Universe, The Batman. If you haven't caught up on this film, you may want to save this episode and tune in later because there will be spoilers. If this is your first time tuning into the Temple of Geek Podcast, thank you. Welcome. The Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of geeks from the Temple of Geek team. Here we cover all manner of geek and pop culture news and events. To our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. With me today are Temple of Geek contributors, Amanda Castrillo and Josh LeCount. Welcome to the podcast. Can you guys please introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you? Well, my name is Amanda. I'm a content creator and influencer. Um, I go by Amanda Just Vibin on all social media platforms. And I talk about media, commentary, comedy, just all around chaotic nerd stuff. And my name is Josh, and I'm a actor, writer, director. I love everything from sci-fi to dramas, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. From Warner Brothers Pictures comes Matt Reeves' The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson in the dual role of Gotham City's vigilante detective and his alter ego reclusive billionaire Bruce Wayne. Bruce has two trusted allies, Alfred, played by Andy Serkis, and Lieutenant James Gordon, played by Jeffrey Wright. When a killer targets Gotham's elite with a series of sadistic machinations, a trial of cryptic clues sends the world's greatest detective on an investigation into the underworld, where he encounters such characters as Selina Kyle, played by Zoe Kravitz, Oz, a.k.a. The Penguin, played by Colin Farrell, and Carmine Falcone, played by John Turturro, and Edward Nashton, a.k.a. The Riddler, played by Paul Dano. As evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plans become clear, Batman must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit, and bring justice to the abuse of power. Matt Reeves directed from the screenplay written by Reeves and Peter Craig, and this is based on the DC characters, The Batman. The Batman was created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. So, like we said, this is going to have all the spoilers, so if you guys haven't watched the movies, you've been warned. You're going to get it spoiled. So before you saw the film, what were your expectations and did the film meet those expectations? What's your general overall impression of the film? So before watching the film, I was very hyped, especially seeing Robert Pattinson. And I know that he he kind of had like the Heath Ledgerification where people were like not sure of if he was the proper fit for Batman. Instantly, I was just like, he's going to do a great job. And so I already kind of went in expecting the performances to be great. I expected the story to be a little bit more like down to earth, I guess, and just a more overall like realistic, gritty feeling. And that's what I went into. And I did get that. There were certain parts where I thought I expected a teensy bit more, but overall I, I kind of got what I expected to get. I'm kind of the, 
the same way. Like I, I didn't have too many expectations, but I've always, well, I've always loved Batman. When I was a kid, I used to have like a life-size Batman that I used to play with growing up. That was just, I loved it. So I pretty much like all Batman movies in general, but some of them are my, you know, more favorites, but I, I went in there expecting just a gritty down to earth, you know, kind of almost, it sounds cliche to say what the trailers were portraying, but you know, it was, you know, I knew, I knew it was going to be like a year two and I was pretty stoked for it. And honestly, I, I, I loved it. I I absolutely loved it. I've, I've actually seen it three times now. So, (laughs) so I've gone back a couple of times to see it. I, I, I couldn't love it more, so I could talk and talk and talk about it. So, <laughs> and you will get a chance to. <laughs> so yeah, I think for me, like uh, I have uh, as a kid, Batman was kind of my favorite in my teens. Like, um, you know, I think I was ten when Tim Burton's uh, Batman came out, the very first one in 1989. I was like ten years old, so into my teen years, my identity was like Batman, right? Like, I just loved all things Batman. The animated series came after that and I was like all about Batman. Um, But then as I got older, I kind of could not justify the existence of Batman. Like I really felt like Batman only worked in the comics and in the movies and would not translate into real life. So the older I got, the less excited I was about Batman because I would think like, wow, like Bruce Wayne is spending all this money on this tank of a car when he could be feeding the people of Gotham or creating new jobs or things like that. And so, like, I was like, I feel like his need to beat up criminals, you know, it just seemed like selfish in a way where he could have, you know, I don't know, until the Lego Batman movie came out. And then I thought, oh, my God, this movie calls out all the issues that I have about Batman. And so I really loved the Lego Batman movie a lot. Um, And then I think that this movie, so I went in with kind of low expectations. I thought it'd be a good film, but like, I didn't think that it would make me love Batman the way that I did as a kid. And so that was a pleasant surprise because I walked out of there really loving this film and loving Batman um, a little bit more. So, you know, for me, it was a pleasant surprise. And so what did you guys Oh, I'm so sorry. Just like springboard off of that real quick. Um, I, I think that I like the way you pointed out um, that there were issues with Batman that you couldn't justify. And I think toward the end of the film, they did kind of touch upon those things where like he says, like, I can do more and this can be more. And that moment, like, to- like those moments toward the end of the film where I think he's kind of realizing that like, yeah, sometimes just beating criminals is not the way to go. Yeah. And there is more to do. Exactly. And I think that's what really got me. I was like, oh, this movie hit all the issues I had with Batman. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it hit all his issues that like, I couldn't like, justify my love of Batman for right. Like, and the fact that like, he, he was able to look at himself and be like, oh, I could be a real issue if I don't change the way that I'm doing things. And I need to not inspire the lunatics, but give hope to the citizens of Gotham, you know. So Let's get into it. What did you guys think of Robert Pattinson as Batman and also as Bruce Wayne? Gotcha. Uh, I think I'm gonna let Josh take the floor for this one for, uh, first because I know you saw it three times. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, it kind of ties in with also what you were just saying because what you said made me think of it. I love Robert Pattinson's performance first and foremost. There, there, 
all, so many people are talking about online about you know the differences in the Bruce Wayne aspect of how this is portrayed from other Bruce Waynes. But I loved the way you could his eyes first and foremost. Mm -hmm. You the way he looked at people. I mean, like I get chills right now just thinking about it because there are shots where like even when just to springboard off what you're talking about a second ago in the beginning when he saved the person in the subway if you notice at the end of that shot he didn't reach down to pick him up yet he just looked up he looked at him and the guy was like don't hurt me and he didn't even reach down to pick him up but at the end of the movie he reached down and picked up someone to pull them out which is what you were just saying monica about the the change about what he's like, no, I have to do more than just be vengeance. I have to do more than just do that. And I'm getting chills right now just thinking <laughs> about it because I'm like, I was, I got teary eyed. Like I was like, it spoke to me. And Robert Pattinson's performance was just like, I loved it because I felt the struggle that he was struggling with, with his past. You could tell that he was mourning. You could tell that he was angry and that he was taking it out in a certain way and realizing later he had to do more. And I thought, I th I just loved Robert Pattinson. I've always been a huge fan of Robert Pattinson and I knew it was going to be something really cool. So seeing it come to fruition and I can, every time I think of it, I think of his eyes. There was even a, a shot where when he was looking at Alfred in the hospital bed and um, I know I'm talking about cinematography here, but it's still about his eyes. When they showed Robert Pattinson looking through the window, most of the blur was blurred around his face, but you could see his eyes. And it's because Robert Pattinson, just the way he looks at people, I loved it. Sorry, I'm rambling. But are <laughs> no, good. Um, I I agree. I was when I first heard that he was cast, I was like, I was rooting for him because I know a lot of people, especially people who only know him from Twilight, like don't know just how good of an actor he can be. And I feel I feel like people forget that it's like everybody in Twilight worked with what they had. You know, it doesn't necessarily like reflect who they are as an actor and who they are as a performer. So I looked at it from, people were like, oh my God, like the Twilight guy. I'm just like, he's not the Twilight guy. He's Robert Pattinson. And <laughs> I believe that he is going to do everything he can to make this role his own. And that's what I felt like. I felt like I had no problem. And I said this in my review as well. I had no problem believing that he was Batman. And um, the only thing I wish is that there were more of those like, shining moments that you were talking about Josh because there were moments where I was just like he didn't even say anything and you could just tell like just by his facial expression even even though half of his face was covered half the time and you can just tell what he was feeling and what he was thinking like when he was looking at the child of the mayor and when he was looking at the kid and there was no dialogue in those scenes and you just saw him basically having a flashback and you didn't even have to see a flashback. That was the biggest thing where like there were no flashbacks. There were no reminding you of like the pearls falling to the ground. No reminding you of the gunshots. Nope, nothing like that. It was just wordless looking and gazing and you could just tell what was going through his mind. And I think those shots were brilliant. I think those acting moments were brilliant because he didn't have to say anything. You didn't even have to flashback to a younger Bruce Wayne. You just knew what he was thinking about. And just like, uh, also, I called it the crustification of Robert Pattinson, the way that he just looked unhinged in his, when he was Bruce Wayne. 
and the way that he was just constantly like I was like, this man did not own an umbrella. The billions of dollars he had did not own one umbrella. <laughs> and he was just like constantly like either sweaty or wet or just like bloodshot eyes and exhausted and with holes in his shirt, just like showing that like he wasn't, and also the scars on him too, when you saw like his body and you saw that he had been hurt and he's just a human being that does this. And those shots where it's like, again, wordless, there's nothing to explain, there's nothing to hear. And you see all those scars on his body and you see him like working from sunup to sundown. You see him obsessively looking at things. And it feels like that picture of the guy with the with the um, the red string and the chart. Every day or whatever. Like that. <laughs> it felt like that. It felt like looking at him and just like thinking like this is how it would be. It's not just like some glamorous thing. Like this man would be like beaten to a pulp and still have to like solve these mysteries. And I believed it. I believed that he was Batman. I didn't see Robert Pattinson. I saw Batman and I saw Bruce. And I wish there were more Bruce moments because I do think he excelled greatly at Batman. I really do wish that there were more Bruce moments because some of my favorite moments were between him and Alfred. And between and that relationship and him realizing that Alfred is his family and just having those character moments in which he did not don the mask. I really wish there were more of those moments. Yeah, I agree. And like jumping off of that, Amanda, one of the things that I had an issue with in the trailer was that Robert Pattinson on the red carpet for Batman was the Bruce Wayne that I was expecting. What, what I was hoping to see. So when I saw like emo, like kind of gritty, like Bruce Wayne, I was a little disappointed in like in the trailer, the way he looked as Bruce Wayne, his hair was all disheveled or whatever, but that Bruce Wayne would not be realistic with, you know, with what we have. What we have now with him being gritty, like looking exhausted and hair all disheveled and all that kind of stuff, that makes sense. Like you said, that's more realistic. If Batman was really out all night, he wouldn't have all this like stamina to be up during the day, like being Bruce Wayne or whatever. So it makes sense. And I had to take myself out for a second and be like, no, no, this is a different Bruce Wayne. This is a different Batman. Like I can't compare it to other ones because this is a different storytelling, you know? So, um, and then once, you know, I watched the whole movie, I was like, oh, wow, this is so great. Like I do like the idea of Bruce Wayne is a recluse. Bruce Wayne is like kind of, you know, he's famous because of his mystique and his mystery and he's handsome and people know he's super rich. So there's all this mystery around him. So like there's that scene where like uh, Officer Martinez, he like, he's like, Mr. Wayne, you know, because like, <laughs> and when he gets out of the car at the funeral, everybody's like, oh my God, it's Bruce Wayne, you know? So there's all this like mystique around him, you know? So that makes him appealing. So I was like, okay, I get it. Like this could definitely be a Bruce Wayne. So even though I went in expecting him to be like a really bad Bruce Wayne, he was a great Bruce Wayne. Um, but as far as Batman, like, wow. Yeah. And I think too, now that we talk about it, because one of my biggest gripes when I first left was that there was not enough distinction between Bruce and Bat, you know? And um, one of my other friends pointed out too, she was just like, there's not really that dichotomy yet. And then I thought about it, like really thought about it. And I'm just like, okay, it's year two he's still probably coming into his own. And he's still probably trying to make that distinction. Because one thing that I remembered 
um, that I literally ranted about it to my husband on the ride home um, was how he said the exact same lines outside of the club when he was dressed up as Batman. He was like, yes! you know who I am. And then a little fast forward later when he's Bruce Wayne and he's just soaking wet and, the, you know, the crustification happening. He's just like, do you know who I am? And my first thought was, ain't nobody... It ain't no way that people don't know that you were Batman. And then in my head afterwards, I was just like, you know what? You probably are kind of bad at this because it's only been two years. Like right. you probably are kind of bad at making that distinction for yourself and making sure that your identity, your secret identity is just that a secret identity. And I kind of had to revisit that and revisit that moment and kind of recontextualize and be like, okay, it is year two. You probably really are kind of bad at this. Like, it's like you probably really do have a hard time distinguishing yourself between who is Bruce and who is Bat. And right. you know what's interesting? Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. No, no, go. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Uh, no, I, what I thought was interesting was just the two, the contrast of the way people saw Bruce Wayne and the way people saw Batman. And that those scenes at the club where he arrives as Batman, but then he arrives as Bruce Wayne. And it's like, it's like a celebrity you know what i mean and then they see batman as like a freak and so i loved that and that felt very real to me and i like to always think about if you've watched supergirl cat grant and superman instantly knows that um that uh that you know oh my god i forgot supergirl's name <laughs> is her name is her name also carol i think her name is carol Oh my god, why can't I think of her name? Oh my god, I'm such a bad fan. So oh, Supergirl seems, you know, alter ego or whatever. She instantly, Cat Grant instantly knows that she's Supergirl. And and she says, you know, I can spot greatness pretending to be ordinary anywhere. And she also points out that people, the reason other people don't realize that Superman is Clark Kent and things like that is because you in your daily life are not, you can your brain can't wrap their your head around that this geeky looking normal ordinary person could possibly be this super incredible person like if all of a sudden like you know somebody that kind of looks like your sister was flying around you wouldn't think that's my sister because there's your brain cannot process the two it doesn't put two and two together yeah like and um, also her name is Kara Kara thank you <laughs> yeah and so I was like okay like I get why people don't know <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. when you do think about it, like two, where it's just like you're like what you said, it's like you're not gonna immediately think that the person that kind of looks like your sister is actually your sister. Yeah, right. And and I, the jump off what you both are talking about, I, when I watched it the third, so I caught if you watch it back to, like another time, every time you catch something that you didn't catch the first time, right? So like when I went back and I was watching it, I was like, I was blown away that I he mentions it like three times just Bruce alone in the first when he's doing the voiceover that it's year two mm -hmm. and then it continually repeats it because I after I went back to watch it I would saw some of the people online talking about the Bruce and differences and I was like I wonder how how clear is the movie with telling it and when you go back and watch it it's so clear that I think it tells you over and over and over again it's like year two, uh, Bruce, uh, uh, Andy Serkis says Alfred, when Alfred even confronts him about things, he's like, are we going to see an appearance from Bruce Wayne finally? Mm -hmm. Is this mean, like, is this diff? And then even like one of my favorite moments is when he can, he walks towards Alfred while Alfred's sitting at the table in the morning. And I, I can't remember what Alfred is doing, but if you watch Robert or as well, Bruce as Bruce, when he walks up and the light hits his eye, he, he, 
with yeah, he's like, yeah. And then he puts on the sun. And I didn't catch that the first time, probably because I was just like so into like, oh, this is Batman. But in the second time, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're really showing you that he doesn't go out in the daytime unless he has to. Of course, no one really knows what he looks like. And if they know of this rich Bruce Wayne, like you guys said, he's like a celebrity that when they see him, like you said, Monica, too, uh, your friend, where he was like, you know, waved at him. And he was like, Bruce Wayne. And he's like, that's I loved it. I loved it. And he, he also like points out, he's like, I'm a nocturnal animal. And that's yeah. like, he even said, he's like, I'm a nocturnal animal. Like he goes out at night and he's barely ever like in the daylight. And that's another thing too. It's just like light and being able to see someone does kind of skew your perception of them. Especially when he's like covered in grimy black, like makeup and his hair is all crusty and wet. And it's just like, people literally have like, I've worn a wig before and it's been like Hannah Montana. Like, yeah. like people wouldn't recognize it because it's like you will put on a wig and you'll put on like half of a mask and all of a sudden people are like, what? Who are you? Like, it just go to any Comic Con and you'll figure yeah. it out real fast and you won't recognize your own friends. Absolutely. And like that, and when you say it like that, when you actually apply it to real life, where it's like, yeah, it totally makes sense that like he's showing up and you don't expect this like billionaire, like super rich guy to be all crusty and funny. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't expect that you really don't and then when he does show up and he is like i i said it like the funny part is that the only time he looked semi-decent was at a literal funeral and like it and was it's just, like semi-decent like he's a millionaire he could be looking sharp right exactly and i'm just like that was the one time homeboy's hair was just completely dry and that was that was already it like <laughs> that was the most you were gonna get his hair was dry oh my god <laughs> And I did appreciate the narrating and the voiceover on a lot of things, like especially when he's writing in the notebooks and he's like, I have to write things down because otherwise, like, I don't know what day it is or whatever, because the, the days and the nights just kind of bleed into one. But like I did like to like at one point he closes the notebook and it says like the Gotham Project. Mm -hmm. And so like he's just learning. He's just trying to figure it out. I, I really like the idea of him just kind of like you know, he's really smart, but the Riddler was smarter. And he still didn't figure out what the Riddler's plan was. And that doesn't make him less of a Batman, but it makes him more real as like, oh, because when you see Michael Keaton's Batman, he already knows everything. He's super smart. He's He's been Batman for a while. He's like, you know, coming to his own. And this Batman is very new at this. And you can just see the mistakes that he's making which he'll probably not make again, you know, because he'll learn or whatever. But it, I did love, you know, just that this is like a very year two Batman, I guess you could say. It's a Batman I wasn't used to and I'm excited to see it. <laughs> but speaking of the Riddler, what did you guys think of the overall story arc? Okay, so this is like, I think where my main, like, my main, I guess, criticisms come in. Cause like, okay, first of all, Paul Dano ate. Um, I already knew Paul Dana was an amazing actor. I already knew his work. I already have seen him since like Little Miss Sunshine. And I knew what to expect when I saw Paul Dana and he exceeded my expectations. He was incredible. As far as story, um, I do love how they kind of brought it into the modern age and did utilize that social media aspect and did kind of show what it, how fast something can spread when you are in an internet sphere and how they kind of took the Riddler and modernized him to a, in a way that was 
like palatable to a current new audience. And even though you you literally saw on the side, he only had like 500 followers, but 500 is all he needed. Like, and that's like when you see people like get radicalized enough and indoctrinated enough and just fed the same thing over and over enough. And he kind of shows the the radical side of trying to do better. And that's um, one thing that I've noticed in like a lot of recent media is that there's almost a radicalization in trying to promote change. But at the end of the day, um, sometimes that message can get a little bit fumble because like one of the things that I uh, appreciate in a story is when there are stakes, like really, really big stakes. And for me, until maybe again, if I watch it again and kind of like pinpoint those moments, there was a period of the story where it felt like it was like going in a linear line. It didn't feel like it was going like this. It felt like it was going straight. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting for the stakes to get bigger. And then all of a sudden it happened all at once. And so I would have much preferred had there been more of a like a climb to the climax instead of having it just be like basically the same thing happening in sequence and then the giant climax because one of the biggest things especially like in my perspective as a woman and as a woman of color the stakes are very low in this aspect for someone like me because you are showing me the like corrupt criminals going down you know you're showing me the corrupt criminals and the corrupt politicians and the corrupt lawmakers going down and that is not really a stake you know in like especially in the current climate and it's awful it's bad you should not go around unaliving people that is not what i'm saying like it is not like that is off obviously there is a giant mastermind doing awful things and those awful things are on a giant public scale because they are politicians because they are lawmakers because they are police officers but at the same time, it's just like the biggest thing about a story for me is caring about the characters and caring about the people who might get hurt. And all I could think about was, OK, as long as like Alfred's good, as long as Mr. Bats is good, as long as like Catwoman is good, as long as Gordon is good, I'm good. Right. When the, the only time I felt like a kind of <gasps> is when I saw Alfred get hurt. But as far as like the case was concerned, as far as like following this like detective work, or I'm just like, okay, like there's, I'm still kind of going into this with the preconceived notion that like Batman is obviously going to be okay. And like Bruce is obviously going to be okay. And all the people that I'm supposed to care about are, are going to be okay. And again, the only time I had like a moment was with Alfred and also with the mayor Rael. And when Rael got hurt, and I'm just like, I feel like she should have maybe been interwoven more as more of a target rather than all at once, bam, last minute. Because if it had been building up to the Riddler being like, they're all bad instead of like picking and choosing, then I would have been a little bit more invested in like the horrible things he was doing. You know, because I'm like, I was standing there, sitting there aware that he was doing horrible things. But at the same time, I was just like, you're doing horrible things to horrible people. And it's like, like not, <laughs> it's yeah. not hitting it. That's what it's, that's how it felt where I'm just like, this is, I'm watching this and it's again, a fictional space, but I'm just like, it's not hitting because you're doing awful things to awful people. You're awful people doing awful things to each other. You're not an awful person doing awful things to someone who's trying to do good until the very last minute. And that's kind of where it lost me a little bit, where it's like the same thing consecutively kept happening. I think maybe if it had started interweaving people who really did not like have any business getting hurt that way 
kind of like what happened with Rael. Like she was trying to make good change. She was trying to make progress. And when he went after her, it kind of solidified, okay, you don't really care about progress. You don't really care about good. You care about chaos and you care about all these awful things. And that didn't really become apparent until that happened. Oh yeah. Um, I, when it comes to the, such a, there's so much, I, I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of, there's a movie called Seven. Do you remember yeah. the movie Seven? Brad Pitt and where you're yeah. Yeah, and um, as another movie, it reminded me of another movie called Prisoners. Have you seen Prisoners with Paul Dano and Hugh Jackman? No, oh, I don't see so that. good. It's Hugh Jackman, Paul Dano, and um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm I'm who plays um oh my gosh in Spider Man who plays Andrew oh Garfield. I can't. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh my Jake gosh. Oh, uh, Mysterio. <laughs> Mysterio. Yeah. Um, but it's a movie called Prisoners, and it's uh crime drama i think it was also i want to say denny villeneuve i believe as well who made that movie and it kind of similar to this where it was like a a long things were happening and it's one of those like you know at point it's one of those to me it's one of those movies that if you miss something you you're not going to get the same experience if you walk out for a few minutes you're not going to you're going to miss some crucial stuff to you know to get you know the story and the mystery and all that stuff so and I really like that kind of long, drawn out in a good way, like kind of movie. So to me, I, I found myself and intrigued, you know, through throughout. I mean, if I had to pick something that, you know, it's hard for me to just pick something that I didn't maybe, you know, if I, you know, that maybe stood out that I didn't really appreciate. But no, I, I, I don't know. Like I... I really liked the arc. I thought it, it would have been cool to see Riddler do a little bit more. I see what you mean, uh, like because like at the end of the movie, uh, you know, there was the big set piece way at the end. But the way I kind of looked at it was like, I think, and I, don't, I might be wrong here, but I, I think that like Batman was looking at it as I need to know who all these bad guys are because they're affecting the city as well. And I kind of looked at it as like, if, and I might be wrong here, but I'm thinking that, like, he thinks that at the moment that just getting the bad guys will, how do I put it? I don't know, I, I don't know how to explain it in, in the right way. I think, Almost like, I, I, I don't know if this is what you're trying to say, but, like, I think, um, so this is, like, Bruce Wayne's introduction at, to how bad Gotham really is. And it's not about these little thug criminals anymore. It's about how deeply interwoven everything is and everything's connected. And I think that this detective work is shaking both him and, you know, Lieutenant Gordon because they they're basically naive to how bad it all is, right? right. So this is telling his it's kind of like an origin story where it's like, oh, well, for a minute you think maybe Riddler's kind of a good guy? Like, he's only doing this to bad people, he's not doing this to good people, but then you get to the end and you're like, oh no, he's really, really bad. Bad, bad, like. And then there's a very small, thin line between Riddler and Batman, mm -hmm. right? Like, Batman could be just, you could, like a regular citizen of Gotham might not see a difference between Batman and the Riddler. They're both trying to affect change. They're both trying to get revenge for like, you know, bad that has been done. You know what I mean? So like 
there's a thin line between Batman and Riddler. And, you know, obviously we see at the end, Batman goes the other way. So he's trying Rid- to... Riddler even says that. He looks yeah. right at him and he's like, you're like me. I, you, you know, that mask is the real you. And he's like, he's like, and then I think that's where Batman realizes too, where he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not you because I, I won't do what you're about to do, basically. I won't go that to what you're doing with innocent people and all this stuff. And... I, and also what you said to springboard off that is like, you're right. He sees Batman seeing the corrupt of all these people, but then you've got Gordon who Jeffrey Wright is amazing. He mm-hmm. is, he is so good. Jeffrey Wright is, I can't even explain it. I could not take my eyes off of watching him every time he was on screen, his dynamic with Batman where he's just like, it's almost like, well, it is like he trusts him. Mm-hmm. And Batman trusts Gordon, and I get chills even right now when Batman looks over at him. And he goes, he goes, you know, you're not corrupt. Yeah, it's not that's you. Like, that's something that he almost knows for sure because you even see Gordon where he's like shocked that he sees like his own buddies and like people that he's worked with are just as bad, if not worse. And like he has those moments of like, oh my god, him too. Like, and it's like, who can he trust other than Batman, who has no motivation? other than to do what he's doing. And like, cause here's the thing, it's like, Bruce does not need riches. He does not need perks. He does not need all that stuff. He already has it. And that is like, I think maybe the good thing about a character like Bruce, where it's like, he doesn't need for anything. He wants for things. And especially when like, I, well, the funniest scene I think in that movie is when he's just like, okay, you're gonna have to punch me in the face. <laughs> and he knows that he's not going to screw him over. You know, he, he knows that, like, if he gives him an out, it's not going to bite him in the butt. And, like, that was a really good scene because it just kind of showed that, like, they do have this mutual trust and they do have this, like, dynamic in which, like, they know that out of all the people that they can, they can and can't trust, they can trust each other. And... Mm-hmm. It was so funny because he's just like, it's like, why didn't you like pull back the punch? He's like, I did. <laughs> and that was like, that was that to me that also just kind of showed like an air of friendship that was like just a, a little bit more lighthearted in such like a gritty, like icky situation. And the like what you said, Monica, too, about like Bruce and the Riddler having a very thin line because you can also like, you can also tip the scale very easily. And I think when, like, Robert Pattinson's Batman realized that is when he was, like, beating that one criminal toward the end and just, like, wailing on him and going after him and people finally held him back. And he had that moment of just, like, okay, beating the crap out of people isn't going to do anything. And that's when he went into the water and he just started helping people and helping get people out and evacuating people and carrying people out. And that was the show of character, the difference between him and the Riddler, because the Riddler would just continue to hurt, continue to do all these awful things, continue to, like, get what he wants regardless of who gets hurt. Because at this point, like, Rayal, he had no business trying to go after her. He didn't. Because she was trying to promote change. And she even tells him at the funeral, she's just like, you have billions of dollars. You are one of the most prominent people here. What are you doing? You're doing nothing. And that's what it kind of shows where it's just like, Rayal's not the bad guy. And Batman is just kind of oblivious to the point where it's like, yeah, you can go around and help one case at a time, or you can use your privilege and you can use your platform as who you are and actually promote real change. And that's one thing that I really did like toward the end of the movie 
where they kind of called him out on his behavior and kind of called him out where it's just like, who are you doing this for? Are you really doing this for Gotham or are you doing it for you? Yes, thank you. And then also, so one thing that I really loved about the story was that they didn't use Bella Rael or Catwoman as like, you know, Batman's motivation, right? Mm -hmm. Like he didn't need to help Catwoman with anything. He didn't have to save her or rescue her for anything. If anything, he used her as a tool. Yeah. Like, you know, but it it wasn't one of those like, oh, his girlfriend was murdered and now he has to go avenge things. Oh, this mayor is being held captive. And like, I don't like the trope of always like this damsel in distress and you have to come help. So I did really love the story arc in this where, you know, you had the women in the movies as like, you know, people that are actually doing things, you know, like Bella Royale is out there trying to affect change using her platform, her, you know, trying to become mayor and make real change. Selena Kyle, you know, is just there trying to save her friend. And, you know, she kind of, you know, they accidentally kind cross of paths. together, you know, cross paths. And she goes to Batman. She was like, oh, yeah, like, how good are you? Aren't you supposed to be making a difference? Aren't we supposed to punish these people or blah, blah, blah? But she didn't really need Batman at no point. No. Did she need Batman? Batman needed her. And so I really appreciated that about the story arc. And I liked that that it was Alfred that was like the one who was her and that yeah. Bruce Wayne felt like, oh shit. Um, so as far as story arc goes, I thought that it was really great as far as when you're looking at it as if this is like Bruce, or not Bruce Wayne, but Batman really realizing what's going on in Gotham, what's going on with him personally, and what's going on as far as like, you know, the effect he's having on people. And, you know, like when the when the guy takes off, when he takes the guy's mask off after like punching him all those times. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the same guy who complains at the funeral about the yeah. daughter, right? I think so. I think it's like, it oh, you can help my oh. daughter or whatever, you know? And um and so he pulls the mask off and he goes, who am I? And he's like, I'm vengeance. And then it just like all clicks for him. Like, oh my God, like, you know, so I did, like, I totally get what you're saying, Amanda, that it was like very long and the stakes weren't high. Like we couldn't relate to those stakes because we want to see those bad people go down. Mm -hmm. But I think that that long form storytelling was to explain to us where Bruce is and where Batman is. And, and I thought that was really great. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, and I do think that's one of those things where it's like, I do believe that upon another watch, it will start to kind of like, the pieces will start to come together. Because that happens to me for certain movies where it's just like, I'll watch it the first time and be like, huh? And the second time I'm like, huh? And then like, <laughs> kind of like, does it, the pieces start clicking. And um, what I love what you said too, where it's like the women weren't collateral. They had agency, and especially like being women of color as well where they weren't just like, I like the fact that, yeah, it was Alfred, because at the end of the day, it's like, who have you known longer? Who is more close to you? Who's been with you throughout the whole thing? It wasn't Selena. It, it's Alfred. And had they gone the cliche route of like, oh, no, Selena's in danger. Or, no, no, Selena. Like, if they had done that, it's just like, was it really earned? You know? Like, was it really earned? Is, she, is he actually caring because there's a real, like, connection there? Or is he caring because the story needs him to care? And that's one of my favorite scenes also is when he's on his way back and he's like screaming in the car and you oh, finally yeah. see him have this emotion other than like the somber look in his eyes 
or like the kind of monotonous tone, you see him finally just breaking and being like, ah! he's like freaking out. And I love that, especially when there was like no audio and you just like know what's coming. And it's kind of like the whole like bomb under the table thing. And you know what's happening, you know what's coming, and you see him like completely just unhinged losing it. And it really break it brings back the humanity of Bruce. And it brings right. back the point where it's just like, regardless of how he addresses Alfred, regardless of like how strained their relationship is, regardless of like all those things, that is still his family. And you saw you see him have genuine, real, raw concern for a family member and it's not just for a pretty girl. And I feel like that's so much more like integral and that's so much more, it hits so much harder than just like a classic damsel in distress because he has a reason to act like that. And it's really well done, honestly. And especially with like Selena too, it's like Selena had her own prerogative. She didn't really care what Batman was doing. It's like, obviously that there was an attraction, there was a working together, there was, a partnership and a team but at the end of the day selena was going to do what selena was going to do and i also really appreciated that because she didn't really she didn't feel like an accessory she felt like her own character and she felt like she was autonomous and she had her own goals and what she wants and she even said she's like i'm not here for you i'm here for my friend and like you kind of put me as like a fish on a hook and that's what she said she's like i'm starting to feel like a fish on a hook and mm -hmm. she took control and charge and autonomy over her own actions and what she was doing and she wasn't just a tool for Bruce and I think that was really good because oftentimes a lot of the times and like especially like over the course of history during these kind of thrillers and during these kind of detective things or um like even in seven what happened when his Paltrow's head was in a box like like women end up with their heads in a box or they end up the collateral damage or they end up just a an afterthought or a motivator for the male character to propel forward but no they all had their own motivations propelling them forward they weren't the motivations for each other and at the end of the day what do they do they go their separate ways because their views and what they want for their lives don't align and they just cut ties and probably not forever because you know sequels but like sequels sequels <laughs> but like um that's like well, I, that's what I really appreciated when I was watching this movie where I was just like, Selena didn't feel like she was just there to be Catwoman. She felt like a person who was doing her own thing. And right. like that scene where he watches her get ready and watches her like go about her own business and just be who she is. And it's not because of him. It's not in reaction to him. It's because it it's her that's own motivation. That's who she and is. And I, I do want to say that at first I thought that scene was creepy because I was like, why are you like looking at her getting dressed, you big creeper, right? But I know that it was the storytelling of like, you know, how she gets into her Catwoman outfit and we're seeing everything through Bruce's point of view or whatever. So I get why they shot it like that. But in my head, I was like, you creeper. Like, it's like, a sense. But here's the thing. I don't, especially with the way that Bruce was portrayed in the movie. And like, like this is one thing I kind of liked about this Bruce, where it's like he was not very suave at all. Yeah, like, he was not a suave man, and I don't think that he was looking at, which is why like the scene didn't really bother me. Yeah, normally like fan servicey like like gazy scenes like that kind of bother me, but like in this case in this context, I was like, 
I understand why you would think this is not a problem, you know, because to you, it's not because she's pretty. It's not because she's Zoe Kravitz. It's not because she's half naked. It's because you're trying to figure out what she's doing. Right. Right. It's like you're watching her not because she's getting undressed. You're watching her because you're just like, what's she? What, you got a you got a whole cat. Where are you going? Like, yeah, kind of exactly. like that, where it's just like that was the intention of the scene where it wasn't just because like, oh, my God, look at how attractive she is. It's more so just like, where are you? Excuse me? Like, the mask? Like, it was kind of like that. Oh, sorry. Uh, Josh, you mentioned something to me about the way that that was shot, right? That oh, you well, well, uh, well, I when I went and watched it back, I, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly, but I think, so in the scene before, which I thought this was like incredible writing and acting and, and everything and every aspect, when he was with Penguin, when he was with Oz, right? And he was like confronting Oz and then, Zoe, uh, well, Catwoman, you know, Selena walks in first, her introduction. She's wearing, I think, she's wearing, like, black long boots. Yeah, yeah. And I thought this was incredible that he noticed, because she looked down at those photos and saw her friend, mm -hmm. and he saw that and instantly went, okay, there's something about you now that you recognize her, mm -hmm. so I need to know why you recognize her. And then it, when he's about to leave and he has Oz against the wall, those pictures are in his hand again, and he sees the boots mm -hmm. in the picture. And that's when he goes, I, and I, I don't know if those boots are the same boots that are They're like- They're the same boots. They're the same are boots. They, are they the Yeah, it's boots? a very like girls who live together sharing clothes thing. Yeah. I wasn't sure, and I was like, okay, so maybe that's why he's like, I need to know why, who she is, what, what this is, what is going on. And then mm -hmm. also real quick, I wanted to say what you were talking about was at the end, remember how you said they split ways? Mm -hmm. I think, which I love that. And I think if I remember correctly, I might be wrong, but I think I remember he's the only one who looks back in his rear view at her. Yes. And mm -hmm. she doesn't need, she doesn't look back. She doesn't look back. Yeah, she does, which to me implies she's like, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm she's doing what I'm going to go do. I got, I give me chills right there. <laughs> and also, kind of like springboarding back onto that scene where he's watching her, the way it's shot as well, it's very far away and it's very linear. It's not zooming in on her parts. It's not zooming in on her body. It's not gazy. It's not like servicey. It's just not, it's barely even, it's, it's barely even voyeuristic, even though it is voyeuristic, but it's like, it's not salacious, you know, yeah, yeah. like it's very far. It's very much just like, this is a person getting dressed. You're not supposed to find this high essentially so like that's another thing that i appreciated where it's like they kept that distance they kept that like visual distance and they kept the camera away because the point of the scene wasn't that selena kyle was half naked the point of the scene was oh my gosh selena kyle actually has a cat suit and she is a cat burglar and oh i gotta go follow her and figure out where she's going like that was the scene and i really appreciated that because again a body is just a body but the way you shoot it is the context so, oh, and I remember what Monica, what you were just talking about when you were asking about the, the shooting. Yeah, right after that scene, when she jumps out the window, the music and the score, Michael G. Kane was amazing. When she comes out, it's like a harp. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a revealing, like as in like, this is now Catwoman. And when she jumps out the window, I love that shot of her coming out the window. And then you just see her jump. It, I I love it. It's like there's Catwoman. There That's there she cool. is, and it's just like, oh, I love it. Sorry, I love it. <laughs> I love that movie so much. 
I think they did a really good way with the way they told stories with very little words, especially in that scene where she gets to the house and she's comforting her friend, right? And she gives her water and like a pill to take to calm her friend down. And she was like, now mom's going to go take care of business because like my friend's in need. I'm going to go get your passport. I'm going to go, you know, she was like, relax, sit here. I'm going to take care of everything, you know, and she didn't even say the words like you just saw it happening through the windows or whatever. I don't know. I feel like they did a really good job. I know this is more cinematic stuff and not like full story arc, but I think they did a really good job with the way they told a lot of the story. Um, but speaking of the look and feel of the film and things like that, what did you guys think about it cinematically, the tone, all of that? Uh, it was great. It looked great. Everyone looked great. Everything was shot great. Like, it was one of those movies where it's like, okay, y'all knew what you were doing. Like, everyone here knew what they were doing. They showed up and they knew what they were doing. And just like the color gradients, the musical cues, the way that like characters were framed and shot. It just was really, really, really well done. And it's just, oh, sorry. Okay, sorry, my old pop-up just happened here. Um, but like, it was just very well done in my opinion. And also the characters looked really good. And one of my a little kind of peeve is when I see like a superhero type character who looks overly perfect. And they look overly done up and they look overly dressed. And you could see like the smudged makeup. You could see the sweat. You could see like the kind of homemade elements of things. You could see like where somebody may not be a professional in this. And it felt more real. And the kind of absurdity of walking around in like a cat suit or a bat suit was like kind of thrown out the window because it did feel like something someone could do. And I really appreciate that where it felt more grounded and realistic than just like, okay, here's your superhero movie with your funky little bat suit. Let's go. Like, it honestly did feel like this could potentially be something I could see on the news. So it was cool. I uh, read yesterday because Greg Frazier was the uh, cinematographer. And I, and I believe I read that he also was the cinematographer Dune. And then, like, um, The Mandalorian, he did uh, a bunch of stuff uh, over the years that was just amazing. But I read that Zoe and Rob were very impressed by the way he would even light the cow. Mm -hmm. Because apparently that's, like, really hard to light from what I read. That it was, like, especially if you're already in the shadows. And then I never even thought about that until I read it. I was like, oh, yeah, they're both wearing all black. And they're in the shadows all the time how do you light that but also still be and apparently the the cinematographer just was incredible from what zoe and robert were saying and i loved it there are so many shots that just like the, the very beginning when there's voiceover and and they're showing all the criminals that are just scared of batman they don't know what shadow he's coming out of which that in itself is a, is amazing that that's how batman was like viewing he thought fear would would be the way but the cinematically there are some amazing shots with the street lights and the rain i i i just loved it i mean i, I agree with everything you said it was just a gorgeous movie i i thought uh, uh the cinematography was perfect i love the tone and oh and and i didn't know this either uh you said the makeup too i didn't realize because i was like when i first saw the clips of robert pattinson with the you know makeup around his eyes and i was like I, I forgot that it that yeah you'd have to put the makeup 
because if you don't, you see the white around his eyes. And then I found out that the other day there was an old Batman movie. I don't know if it was Keaton. I don't remember which one, but there was one where they have a shot where he takes the cow off in the old movie and they, they did two different, but the one without the makeup. Yeah. You could see the white for a second around his eyes. So when I found that out, I was like, oh, I really appreciate that this movie actually left that there. Like you said, the rawness of like the makeup, the hair, the, I loved it. I loved it. You know, one thing I just kept thinking it was so gorgeous, like the city views and just like the way the like you would see the sun coming up. And even in that scene at the end where they're driving their motorcycles away and it's raining and like Josh, you said he looks into the rear view to see Selena drive off. I loved, 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 loved just that those looks and that drone shot over over them where they're just like driving through the streets and you see the two motorcycles. I don't know what it was about this movie, but like I just thought it was beautiful. To me, it was art. It was real, real art. Like, and you know, I know that this movie does not hold up well, but in the 90s, there was a movie called The Crow with Brandon Lee. And it had an amazing score and it had an amazing, like, you know, gritty kind of dirty look. Right. Mm -hmm. And I and I remember being young and just thinking like, oh, my God, like this is so cool, so edgy. And I haven't felt that way about a movie until now. Looking back at that movie, it's very cheesy and lame. But I think that this Batman movie is everything that Crow wanted to be, you know, and um and I don't know if it was the nostalgia of just hearing Nirvana, like as like the main song that they kept playing over and over or what. It was just like my 90s nostalgia just like jumping out. But I thought visually and like just the tone in the movie, it was just beautiful. I, to me, it just looked like art. I was like, oh, this is this is what art is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So um, we talked about it a little, but I really want to talk about the different relationships that Batman has with people. Um, what did you guys think about the relationship between Batman and Selena? Uh, so that relationship, <laughs> again, I kind of uh, enjoyed the way that like this grown man just did not understand the cues at all. And it was so great to kind of see that he had been like out of the public eye for so long and he had not probably like there. It makes complete sense that he would be like that. And you could tell that, like, obviously he was attracted to her, obviously. Like, he had, like, the feelings for her, but just did not really know how to navigate them. And I think it's very fitting that Selena was the one to, like, plant the kiss first and, like, kind of initiate that first, being like, I know what you're thinking, but you ain't doing anything about it. <laughs> and, like, it was just kind of, like, it was almost cute in a, in a funny way. It was almost kind of cute. And also just him not really understanding like that one moment where he's just like with the contact lenses. And that was a very telling moment where like she thought that he was coming on to her and he was just like, all right, your contacts look good. Let's go. <laughs> like, again, like when he was looking at her through the window, it wasn't in the context of like checking her out. It was in the context of like, what is going on here? Like he doesn't really, he, the math was not mapping for this man. And it was so funny <laughs> because like, she was like desperately like trying to like get the point across like hey i think you're cute i think this could be like a thing and he was just like your contacts look really good by the way yeah you're good to go. <laughs> like <laughs> that 
that was so funny. Like I was watching, and I was like, oh, this poor man. He does not know what he's doing. <laughs> like even Alfred comes like, oh, she's pretty. And he's like, huh. Yeah. Like just completely just his his eyes glossed over, just completely forgetting the fact that he's in the presence of like Selena freaking Kyle, you know? And that was really honestly kind of enjoyable to watch this like this man really just not get it and like nobody's like have the feelings have like the attraction there and just completely fumble the bag every single time <laughs> i love that i love it i i I'm, the, I'm in the same boat like i also thought it was amazing that i think you've already kind of uh said this but just to kind of uh talk about that for a second is the same thing where she did not need him for I mean, like she didn't, she, unless she wanted to need him for something. And it was more so even like an invite to just, do you want to help me find the bad guy? Mm-hmm. It wasn't really, it almost wasn't like, I need you to do it. It's like, she was like, I, I'll do it by myself. If, if you, if you're not going to be a part of it, okay. I'm just like, and so in the same kind of thing with the contact, she was in there to find her friend. And then when she realized that, like, he was getting like telling her what to do a little bit. She, all right. She was like, I'm done. and i just thought that was incredible and i don't think it wasn't until she was like inviting him to help her uh when she put the con was like hey i want to talk to you um Mm -hmm. but it was still her initiating it yeah and so i i I loved it i i I thought the the chemistry was great between them um you know that's everything you you know you guys are talking about i'm on the same page it it was awesome Mm mm-hmm Honestly, their chemistry was so good. I swooned so much. I was like, oh my God. They they didn't even have to like over-sexualize anything. They didn't have to like, it was just so subtle that I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. my heart, like, oh, wow. What, what are you guys doing to me, you know? I, I have not seen that level of on-screen chemistry in a really, really long time. And the only thing with Selena Kyle is I know that she was supposed to be doing that like kind of like nor like, you know, time period type, you know, acting. So every once in a while, I felt like it was switching from like old timey kind of like the way she talked to more modern, you know. So um, there was a little bit of that with me where I was like, but I did really enjoy the fact that she was so much more worldly than Bruce Wayne because she had been through all this stuff and like I saw I was thinking about Bruce Wayne as like a person right growing up and being kind of naive because he's obsessed with what happened to his parents you know what I mean he's obsessed with you know trying to discover you know ways to fix Gotham so that other people don't have to suffer what he suffered all this kind of stuff so girls are not for him right girls are not what he's thinking about his priorities are very different and then he meets Selena Kyle and it's like, oh, there is kind of another side of me, right? But he's not in the space to explore that, you know? He's there to work. He's there to like figure things out. And so even though he has these feelings and it's very clear on screen that the, that there's a lot of chemistry, um, he's still very like, you know, girls are not a priority for me right now. Women are not a priority for me. It's about you know, this Gotham project, you know? Um, but so I did like the whole Selena Kyle just being so much more worldly than like Bruce Wayne was. And I also like that too, because like Bruce wasn't, 
Bruce isn't aware of his appeal, really. Like, he's one of those, again, he's not thinking about, like, he's not thinking about things the way that others would think about things. Like, again, he wasn't looking at Selena because Selena was attractive. He's looking at her because he needed to figure out what was going on. And, like, he's very kind of, like, self-unaware where it's just, like, you are an attractive dude. I hope you know that. Like, you really are. But Selena is aware of her appeal. And it's awesome because she's aware and she uses it. And she's very much in tune with, like, people's perception of her. And she can use that to her advantage. And that's something that Bruce is kind of still learning to do. And it's funny because, like, Selena, in a way, is, like, more experienced than him and more seasoned than him and just kind of knows how to navigate those spaces in a way that will benefit her. And Bruce really doesn't. Bruce really doesn't get how he could utilize his Bruce to help his bat. And Selena knows how she can utilize her Selena to help her cat. And that is very telling in the fact that, again, it is year two. And again, he's saying the same exact things with a different font in both the bat outfit and the Bruce outfit. So he's not really making that distinction using his Bruce persona to benefit the bat just yet. And I think you really see Selena's expertise shine when she's talking to Carmine Falcone and she's pretending to be upset about her friend. I mean, obviously she's upset about her friend, but to him, she's acting like, oh, I just haven't heard from her, blah, blah, blah. Poor me. Can you help me? You're the big guy, right? And she's using that like experience of how to navigate people and all that kind of stuff to her advantage to get him alone so that she could like kill him or whatever she plans to do with him, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's another example where like finally after that like Bruce is like okay I'm about to use my Bruce Wayne to get more information you know and also play that role because he didn't go in there and tell Carmine Falcone like hey I'm Batman you know what I mean he was just like hey like did you talk to my parents (laughs) like yeah and it's funny because like the way he finds out that information is not through being Batman it's through being Bruce and it's showing that like you have to use those two personas and those two like pieces of yourself to work together instead of against each other and it's it's now that I think about it it's like it's a really brilliant way of like showing that he still has so much to learn right and what else the, to kind of uh, a little bit further into that is he is he grew up rich right so he's got a completely different lifestyle than most of everyone he's interacting with and what I love is not only is that hinted at multiple times by selena even herself but like at the end if it wasn't for the officer growing up with an uncle who had carpet who would put carpet down who knew what the tool was batman would not have known to pull the carpet up Mm -hmm. because because and i love that scene because I love the actor first and foremost, the guy who's playing the officer. I can't, what was his name again, Monica? Uh, It's Gil Perez Abraham and he plays Officer Martinez. I love his role. I love everything about it because he even has a change throughout the film from the beginning of the way he looks at Batman to the end of where he's like friends. But even then he's not afraid to be like, uh, you know, that's, do you not know what that is basically? He's basically being like, Okay, let me tell you, my uncle, and then Batman even looks at him and is like, all right, wow, okay, that's something he wouldn't have known. Bruce would never have known that without him telling him that. Yeah, because he's privileged, right? He would never have laid down his own carpet. His, his <laughs> not going to 
going to go and teach Bruce Wayne how to lay down tile, lay down carpet. Like they had people to do that for him. So like Bruce Wayne is super smart. He probably has a world-class education, but there's things like that, that he would never have known. Not on the spot like that at all. Like he, and he needed to know then at least to try to, you know, at that moment. So like, yeah, that's, it was a, it was really, I just, it was incredible. I, I loved it. It's like those practical blue collar things that like without the help of people who have lived that experience, you're not going to figure it out. And I think that's another thing, too. It's like kind of bringing Bruce down to earth and kind of showing him that there is a reason you're doing this. And it can't just be like beating up bad guys. You have to do this for the people of Gotham. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think that the whole Batman thing was a vengeance thing of him trying to, like, avenge his parents, right? He wasn't, even though he might have said, oh, I want to make Gotham a safer place, he wasn't looking at the citizens of Gotham as, like, like down on their level, right? He wasn't, he doesn't know them, you know? He knows Alfred, Dory, the woman who works for him, and then, like, who else does he know? Lieutenant Gordon, and that's about it, right? But, like, through his, you know, just kind of being out there trying to be an inspiration, and, like, at the end, you see it where he's, like, out there trying to help the first responders and everything. I thought that was an incredible point to make, where he's carrying the woman to the helicopter where she's going to be lifted, and then suddenly the woman is, like, don't leave me, like, she's scared, and he, like, comforts her. It's not till then that he realizes that the citizens of Gotham are real people. Like, you know, they've always just been kind of a side story where his vengeance was all about figuring out, you know, avenging his parents, basically, and doing something, you know, in honor of his parents. But, like, in this film, you can see, like, you know, through the help of Oscar Martinez and, you know, Lieutenant Gordon and everybody, like, he he starts to really see who people are. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's very important, too, because, like, we've seen over and over again, again, the pearls hitting the floor. The gunshot. We've we've seen it. We know. And Bruce, especially like I was talking to um, my husband about this too, where I'm just like, he's already like, I'm assuming like in his 30s at this point. Maybe. In the, probably like late 20s, early 30s. And like, he's had a lot of time to really think about this before being Batman. And I'm just also kind of curious. It's like, what was he doing before that? You know? in this universe, in this Batman universe, what was he doing before he decided to finally take on the mantle of the bat? And it's it gets your mind kind of going because like, okay, what made you decide that this was the course of action other than something else? Regardless, like, because like, when you see with the Riddler too, where he's just like, I was an orphan just like you, but I didn't have what you had. I didn't have like the education and the security and the big house and all of this privilege I didn't have it and it really makes you think where it's just like again is Batman doing this to help people or is Batman doing this for vengeance and that is like the thing that really makes you think where it's like are you doing this because you want to help Gotham or are you doing this because you want to help your inner child yeah absolutely and I think that that was that's what was so smart about the way this film was you know was filmed. I I do wish I would have seen more of the Bruce Wayne coming into it, but I get that that's not what this is. This is about Detective Batman. This is about Detective, you know, Um, though I still yearn for 
more, you know, Bruce deciding to become the bat. One thing that I did like was that one of the things that I always had a problem with with Batman was his bat cave, right? Mm-hmm. I always was like, okay, you could not have built that by yourself. Like somebody, some other people know who Batman is because you had to have hired help to get this done, right? And so I love that his back cave is like an unused train tunnel from that was owned by Wayne Enterprises. So it's not something that he had to build on his own or hire somebody, you know. This Batman was all about the technology and he probably did build all the technology himself or he sourced it and he had the money and everything to do that. But the actual back cave itself was just a tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, like a subway station or whatever train station, you know. So I did like that about it. It was more realistic of like where he would hide out. Mm-hmm. And I like that too because it's like it kind of takes away again the glamour of Batman. Because when you think about the logistics of it, it's just like ain't nobody know, ain't, ain't no way that nobody knows that you're Batman. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can think about that. I'm like somebody has to figure it out because homie, you are not hiding it very well. <laughs> Like, how much did you pay in, you know, NDA money and, like, hush money to get people to not say, yeah, I built the Batcave. Like, you yeah, know. like, I, like, I've had, like, the moments, even in this movie, where I'm just like, ain't nobody, ain't, ain't no way that, like, everyone just doesn't believe that you're Batman. Because, again, him rolling up to that club and being like, do you know who I am? To the same people... And also, like, showing up to, like, the funeral with a black eye and then all of a sudden disappearing from the funeral and then coming and then Batman pops up. And I'm just like, Bruce, please. <laughs> Bruce, can you please be a little bit more discreet? Bruce. Like, like, that whole time I was, like, literally, like, in my seat being like, I swear to God, if somebody finds out he's Batman because he just did not, like, take the precautions, like, we don't lose it. Like, I kept having those moments. And then oh, that's what I thought was so interesting, too, about the Riddler, because when he was going Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, it made perfect sense that the Riddler would have discovered who he was, right? Because the Riddler's not stupid. He's very, very smart, you know? And so had the Riddler given out his secret identity or, like, I would have believed it. I would have been like, yeah, of course, somebody was going to figure it out. And it makes sense that it was the Riddler that figured it out, right? Mm-hmm. But then when he doesn't connect the dots on that, I'm just like, like like, I was wondering if this was going to be like an Iron Man situation where in this universe people know that like Bruce Wayne is Batman and if they knew that because of the Riddler having spilled the beans I probably would have been okay with it Uh but um yeah like I remember thinking like oh my god the Riddler knows like what a twist you know (laughs) like I'm so sorry um when like the thumb drive was loading too for some reason in my brain I'm like oh my god if it drops the deets because it's like the picture of Bruce and Batman were behind the computer and I was literally sitting there and I was just like this flash drive better not load and have like all the deets about Bruce being Batman that's what I was thinking I'm like this man about to have to throw this laptop out the window I'm just like like, I had that moment that when it didn't happen I was like okay we're good because, yeah, there were so many times where I'm like, Bruce, Bruce, honey, sweetie, you, please. He's very close. A lot of times. Yeah. Apparently there's an, I was watching a couple reviews online and somebody had said there's an old comic book where the, where the Riddler does call the Batman out on note and finds out that he is Bruce Wayne. And apparently there's, I'm not going to get the line right, but what I remember was somebody was saying it was something on the lines of the Riddler's like, 
or the Batman, when, when the Riddler tells him that he knows who he is and he wants to tell the world that Batman is like, well, what, how valuable is a riddle that everyone knows the answer to? And he's just like, oh, dang it. And so he doesn't let people know because then he can't use it against Batman. And so I was, that's kind of the same thing. I was thinking about that too. I was like, is he calling him out on, but at the same time, it's like, um, he I think he re- he's blinded a little, at least in this movie, blinded a little bit by the fact that he really thinks they're working together mm-hmm. and that he really thinks Batman's going to see like him and be on his team. So that could be what's blinding him from putting that last piece together of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And also, um, I think that he sees Bruce Wayne as like this entitled, entitled brat and he's had this like urge to get him for a long time. So he doesn't see Bruce Wayne as any kind of a hero or intellect or smart. He just sees him as like some spoiled brat, right? Right. So I think for him, his brain can't connect the two, that this guy out here avenging people already is the same rich kid that like lives in a big tower, you know? Yeah. And when he was about to be discovered, I felt that when they were standing there and it showed the wall and uh, and that one line hits me when Batman it's almost talking to himself. I think he is talking to himself where he's kind of like next to Gordon and he's like, this is all coming to an end. This might be all coming to an end. And Gordon's like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, well, the Batman. And it's like, that's that realization that this might be over for Mm -hmm. me, this whole thing. And, and I, I mean, I get chills again, just thinking about it. Cause like, I love it. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I know we've touched on it a bunch, but, like, the relationship with Batman and Gordon, what did you think of them two together? I loved it so much. I loved it. Like, again, with Gordon, I'm like, nothing better happened to this man. I love him. Like, <laughs> please, please be okay. I will absolutely cry if anything happens to you. And just, like, again, that almost unspoken friendship where it's just, like, they are friends, but, like, they're not, like, have friends and just the trust that they have and like the mutual agreement and just understanding that they have of each other and him basically they're basically each other's first go-to and I really like that I really like the fact that like there is this established trust and I'd really like to know like when that started in this universe you know like I'd really like to know like what kind of sparked that yeah we might get it in sequels because, you know, he's obviously going, they're going to build on Bruce in, the, in, in sequels, um, fingers crossed. Um, that's what I'm hoping, at least. But um, uh, what you're saying, I love the Gordon-Batman dynamic when it comes to not just the, like, the trust, but, like, they're, they're, they're funny. They're funny together. They, they tell jokes. And they're, whole, like, even when the bat signal, and it was Selena who turned it on, and they both show up. Like, I thought you did that. And he's like, I thought it was you. And, and then they, or, or, yeah, I think it was that, yeah, when they're going up to see Selena. And then there's other scenes where, like, he pulls, Gordon pulls out his gun and, and Batman, or somebody says something like, no guns. And he goes, that's your thing. That's not, yeah. that's not. <laughs> he's like, that's not. And then when he, Oz, and then, that was my favorite, one of my favorite scenes is the Oz scene with Gordon and Batman. And Oz is like, what are you two doing? He's like, come on, come on. Don't show me that. And it's so good. It's so good. And I just, I love it so much. I want to watch it again just for Gordon and Batman scenes too. Cause I just, and, and at the end of that scene, if you notice too, a really cool little like nugget that's foreshadowing 
the Oz, uh, I want to say they've already greenlit the TV show for Oz. I don't remember the details, but something like that. Yeah, there's a whole, they've green, there's a, there's a TV show coming from this. I know that HBO Max, yeah, I think it's, I think it's Gotham, what's it called? Matt Reeves, it's just a couple articles about it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so, but, um, ah, if you notice, when, when he's tied up at the end, he waddles away like a penguin. I think that is so good. I was like, yeah. I think I audibly laughed in the theater when that happened. I was like, ha! And <laughs> You know, too, like, the scene in the, you know, when he punches Gordon in the police station, I was smiling like ear to ear in that scene, just like seeing all the cops run to the through the building. And like this movie was gritty and it was dark, right? But then I was like, it would switch to so funny. And like when he's running up and he like, you know, jumps off the building and then he crashes really hard. Oh, and it's not like all beautiful or graceful and he just like mm-hmm. bah, 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 hits it. I I freaking loved all of that. Like the whole interaction between Gordon and him, where he was like, you know poking him and pretending to be yelling at him, but he's telling him like, okay, you got to punch me and here's the key and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. All of that, that whole scene, the cops chasing him, they're just overall yelling of everybody like, ah, you know, going up the stairs, ah, you know. Dude, all of that was so fucking funny. It gave me like Adam West vibes, you know, yeah. like, all this kind of stuff. Like, and also his like, oh shit look when he like goes off the ledge. He's like, oh, oh, <laughs> like you kind of see his face and he's just like, oh, oh, that is, that is a uh, steep. And then he like takes out his like little like, I called it like the flying uh, squirrel gear. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it was so, like that whole scene. I was just like, this man is about to eat the dust. Like he's about to eat shit. And it happened. Like when he like pulled out his parachute and he just like, bah, bah, bow. And I'm just like, oh, and, oh. The way I would have like, passed away. Like that was so. Pain. That was so funny that he just gets up and starts like limping away, and I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> that you're right. That's probably one of the most the funniest parts because even they hold the camera on when he stands to, for the comedic effect, where he's like, ah, that hurt. Basically, it's like that's terrible. But I just I just looked it up. Um, so three hours ago, it was announced that the Batman was the series was put on hold. But they are focusing on there's another one that he's doing with uh, focusing on um, Oz and um, and whatnot. So yeah, um, Matt Reeves is they're going to be doing sequels of this thing, whether it's going to TV or film. I mean, who really knows all the details? But yeah, that's pretty crazy. You know, I would be okay with Pattinson and going from a film to TV because I would like these stories to be played out on the long term. I was a big fan of Gotham. Josh, I know you were in Gotham. <laughs> in Gotham. <laughs> Josh played one of Penguin. Uh, sorry. Uh, You're right. It was Penguin. Penguin's. Uh, he played one of Penguin's minions. Yeah, that's awesome. And I loved Gotham. Like, I really enjoyed Gotham. So I wouldn't mind seeing a Matt Reeves version of Gotham. You know, like some of these stories that I feel do need more than just like three hours and like, you know, a full season would be nice. And I wouldn't be opposed to it, which I know for actors is probably a step back, right? Going from having a big movie to like a TV series. But I think that in this universe, it would be pretty amazing. I, and I still love that, that the line he goes, he goes, what is this, bad cop, bad shit cop? He's like, <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. And then also, 
the the humor it's really it's so funny even though they're like being dry about it it's hilarious because the fact that they didn't connect the dots of url mm-hmm. for the for el and and it takes them going through that whole thing with oz to look and go you URL and it's just like it's hilarious though even though they're just like that man he's like he looks he's kind of almost like I should have known that are you kidding I should have known that it's Which also is- kind of like an English sense of humor again where you say it's like dry and it's not one of those like haha guys this is supposed to be funny did you laugh like no it's very like it's intentional humor but not like making you but I'm bump yeah yeah it's yeah. not like bimps did you get that? Like, no, it's it's intentional humor, but done in a very smart way. And mm-hmm. in a way that like, you ha- you have to like pay attention to what they're saying and pay attention to everything. And they're just like, bruh. Like, it's kind of like that kind of humor where you like think about it for a second. You're just like, man, like. He's like, your Spanish is atrocious and I'm embarrassed for you. Exactly. We're just like, el and la, you didn't know the difference. And I was like, oh. And here's the thing is like, I. I'm, I'm Hispanic and I grew up in a Hispanic household and even I didn't catch that and I was like, bruh, bruh. Like, <laughs> like I was just like, oh my God. And it it really just like, they did a really good job with the humor because there was those moments where it's like it broke the tension and it didn't feel like all doom and gloom. It didn't feel like all, like that's one of my biggest pet peeves for certain things where it's just like, they try so hard to make something so rugged and they're like, no humor and no happiness. <laughs> like, no, like the best things, even if they are serious, do have those parts of like, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Like, I mean, Gordon, Gordon leans in, puts this mean face on like he's interrogating him and he goes, <laughs> we're going to have to get you out of here. And I'm like, oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it was giving, it was giving um, Helen the Bottom Carter playing Hermione, playing Hermione Granger, playing like, it, it was giving that scene. Where she had to like kind of like be like, mm, like the like, <laughs> like trying to, an actor trying to act in a movie. It was so funny. I was just like, bro, homie, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And also at the so at, at the end, the El Rada Lada thing. That apparently I didn't know this. I was watching something else. I don't remember, but they've been apparently people have been decoding codes from the trailers for months, and that website has been up for months of El Rada. I found that out like two days afterwards, and I was like, "Bro, really?" I I'm gonna no have idea. to put that in the show notes. <laughs> I know, and then they, and then I didn't catch this, but if you remember how we stayed till the very end, and it was like goodbye with a question mark. <laughs> Apparently, it flashes for another second. Elrodolada.com. Oh wow! That's oh. what one of the other websites. So apparently, they, you're supposed to follow that. For, I know that if you go to that, you get a zip file. You download the zip file, and it's like. Uh, Thomas Wayne talking and all this stuff. We're gonna do yeah. that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I saw in another uh, review. So I haven't tried it, but that's what I saw. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, they're really going into this." That's, that's cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, what, like, what great marketing that is. It's reminded me of like the interactive. <laughs> like, because they used to be a thing. At least when, I, like, when I was younger, when like movies would come out, and they would have like interactive websites for the movies, and mm-hmm. like that's really cool. They kind of like made it interactive and made it something that you can like follow along with and i'm like oh and especially with the culture of people like breaking down trailers and people like investing so much time in like breaking the movie down before it's even out yet that's genius like that's marketing genius right there 
Right. And also because, and I did like at the end where it's like goodbye or whatever, because it kind of like makes fun of the fact that fan they know fans will wait till the end. They know they're waiting for that end credit scene. I'm like, well, you're going to have to go home and get that end credit scene. Like you're going to have to download all this or whatever. Right. You know? mm-hmm. so, which, which when you say end credit scene too, which makes me think of, that's the thing. I kind of felt like that Joker scene with, with Riddler to me, that felt like an end credit scene. Yeah. That felt like something that, honestly, I thought if there was anything that felt a little like, well, maybe that would have, not that I, you know, would do any, you know, I, I didn't make the movie, but you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like an end credit scene. Because yeah. I was like, oh, now we're, I think that's the Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's credited as unknown asylum, uh, Arkham Asylum patient. But we know it's like the we know it's the Joker. Yeah, it was still cool to see. I just it felt more like a like an end credit after credit scene that was put in the beginning though, just so you wouldn't miss it. And then that's the actor who played uh, Druid in the Eternals, Barry Barry Keegan. Yeah, Barry Keegan. So, which I would like to see him in everything. Like I really like so good. And like I, it's so funny because like I I had known it was going to be Barry Keegan, but like at the end of like. Because he doesn't have his accent in this. And I could still, like, hear him. And I was just like, oh, oh, it's Druig. Okay. Like, I was just like, okay. And, like, you only saw, like, a part of his face. And even though, like, the, the less than a minute that he was there, he ate. I was just like, he's such a good freaking actor. Like, I'm so excited to see more. Because that, to me, where it's just like, it's yeah. that little piece that was just, okay, now, give me. Me. Yeah, I want more. Yeah, if, if we don't get spinoffs and sequels to this, I I riot. Like I just I need more. I, like I really enjoyed this universe. I think it has huge potential for more, and I want to see more. Also, give Zoe her own movie. Like yes, um, yes, a hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she took off. She left the bat, and I think we could get a whole storyline of just her. Without Batman, you know what I mean? Her own standalone movie and maybe at the end runs into Batman or whatever, you know? But I think there's a lot of potential for Zoe to have her own franchise. Oh, absolutely. And she said she was potentially going to a place called Bloodhaven, which Mm -hmm. is, I didn't know this, but I was reading another website. That's apparently where Robin came from. Oh. Uh, Bloodhaven. Who would you fan cast as a Robin in this Oh my gosh! I'm looking at Bloodhaven because I want to make sure I didn't say that incorrectly. <laughs> I'm like, it's I'm like, Bloodhaven, I'm though, yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, uh, oh my gosh! I don't even. I'd have to think. Who would you? Who would you pick? I have no idea. But what, first, saw like Finn Wolfhard. Really? Okay. I don't know. Like, I'm just because I I was thinking like, who are young actors? Because it would have to be someone who is like a young young actor. And I'm just like, why do I? Why is he giving me like? Showing up at Batman's door and be like, "Hi!" Like, it's just like, like, why so, is that what it's giving? I'm just like, why it was my first thought was like, "Oh, that kid from Stranger Things might be pretty good." Yeah, like, yeah, no, I could see that. I could totally see that. And yeah, like, yeah. Be, I, like, I want that was another thing too. Where it's like, when I left the movie, I'm like, I want to see him with a Bat Fam. I want to see him with a Robin, um, because I feel like this Bruce Wayne, especially the one that we got from Robert, like he needs he needs his little son. He needs his Robin son. Like, like that's the thing. It's like I want him to have his Bat fan. 
And I'm really looking forward to a Bruce Wayne that we can see interact with a Robin that's not from like the 1990s. So going into, we're speaking about like, you know, little guys or whatever, this kind of segues into, you know, the relationship between Batman and Alfred. But like the look that Alfred gives when he's reviewing the footage from the contacts and he sees Bruce looking at the little boy who's lost his father and like, there's not even words. Alfred doesn't even say anything like, but Andy Serkis just portrays like all this emotion. Like he could see that was how he saw Bruce as a kid, you know, and it's like bringing back all of these things for, for, you know, for Alfred and you know, at the end, too, when, like, that little kid is so good. Like, he didn't even have any lines, I don't think. But, you know, yeah. every, but just his facial expressions alone, like, really kind of, um, you know, he the little kid did a lot for not having any lines. Mm-hmm. And that scene at the end where he reaches out, he's the one that reaches out to Batman. Like, you know, when Batman's like, you know, here, I'm going to help you. And he reaches out to Bella Rael but she doesn't take his hand. It's the little boy that comes out of the shadows and takes his hand first. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, that's so beautiful. Like that whole interaction. I'm like, please give this Batman a Robin, please. I was yeah. just like, I need to see dad man, please. Um, well, I, I look, yeah. So Bloodhaven is Nightwing slash Robin. So um, that's where, and then the little boy in the beginning, I was wondering if he was something more because he was also wearing a red, outfit and he was sword fighting as a kid with his dad mm-hmm. and then and and i was just wouldn't that be crazy if he grew up after now experiencing that whole thing with batman oh. and showed up later i don't know i don't know if that's anything i'm just that would be crazy because it he's, could it's, potentially yeah we had that moment in like iron man where there was like a little kid there and that little kid happened to grow up to be peter parker like right. so that we could have that moment like we could have that thing where it's like that kid actually grows up and like, oh, that'd be so cool. That would be oh cool gosh. because it, what you said earlier, uh, Amanda, was like when he looked at him, there was no words, right? Like you said, there was no words, but you knew the connection that he was like, I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Batman was like, and he felt bad. And and then that isn't that the same kid at the end who grabbed his hand, right? Isn't yeah, yeah. It's, Ar- it's uh, Ar- Archie Barnes. He plays Mitchell's Mayor Mitchell's son. Okay, so yeah, he's you never name know. in it. He's just Mayor Mitchell's son. Um, but yeah, the actor's name is Archie Barnes. Because that would in itself, you could make a whole story about someone growing up and their father was corrupt and they realized what happened and then Batman intervened. And I don't know, I just saw, I just, I, I now after seeing the movie a couple times, every time now I see the beginning and he's sword fighting and he's wearing the red hood and he's wearing this red outfit, I'm like, I wonder if they're foreshadowing anything there. I don't know. I don't know. That would be super clever, and I would be okay with that. Same. (laughs) Um, And so then, a little bit back to Alfred, I did want to point out, like, so there was a lot of issues that I had with, you know, um, you know, Alfred is a butler, right? Like, you know, it was, in this movie, I was glad that Alfred wasn't necessarily a butler, but he had been, like, Thomas Wayne's bodyguard. And so when he inherits, you know, basically Bruce Wayne, you know, he he points out, he was like, I wasn't equipped. I didn't have the tools. You needed a father. And essentially, he was just a bodyguard whose job was not to raise this kid. It was just to kind of follow the Bruce Wayne family around and, like, keep them safe, right? That was all he was meant to do. He was ex- um, What's the British I think it was, like, special something. 
yeah, he was RAF maybe. I don't know. Something like that. You know, he was like Navy SEALs of the British Army. He was like, you know, Thomas Wayne hired the best of the best. You know what I mean? And so, you know, seeing him and that conversation they have when they're in the hospital and Alfred is like, I wasn't equipped. You needed a father. And all I knew how to do was teach you how to fight. And like Alfred's like seeing like, you know, I didn't do right by you. I led you to this path, all this kind of stuff. And that conversation that he has with Bruce there, it hit me so hard. And that was it's one of those things that like, it was like, yeah, of course, Bruce was going to turn out this way. You look at their apartment, right? And it's probably like, Alfred didn't have any notion of like, oh, let's fix it up because, you know, we're wealthy and we're going to do this. They just left everything the same. Mm-hmm. It probably hasn't been changed in like, you know, 20 to 30 years. And, you know, they're they're just two dudes in a house <laughs> just trying to get by. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like that too, where it's like, and, and then another thing I liked about this movie is like the way that Bruce is almost kind of stunted because like your developmental years and the years you spend as a child and as a teenager are very very integral to how you grow up to be an adult and the fact that he lost his parents so young and it reflects in how he is as an adult it's almost like a regression and the way that he doesn't really know how to interact with people the way that he doesn't really know how to navigate life the way that the way to cope with everything was to don a costume and to create this persona almost as if you're playing dress up almost as if you're doing like something with your imagination and that's very telling that the way that he, yeah this bruce wayne isn't suave this bruce wayne isn't well spoken this bruce wayne isn't like the best communicator because he didn't have that growing up he didn't have that he didn't learn that in the time he was supposed to and he, and Alfred hits the nail on the head. It's like, you needed a father. And I teach you skills, but I couldn't teach you how to be a person. And, like, it's it's almost sad. Because, like, he's not going to really change. And he really can't. Because it's already kind of, like, solidified. And there are certain things where it's like, if that happens to you at such a young age, if that happens, like, before your brain is even done, like, being a brain, yeah. you're going to be stuck in that almost adolescent state yeah even as a grown man and PTSD is real and you know you you live with those consequences you know and Alfred tells him I'm sorry I didn't didn't interrupt oh no you're good continue I was just gonna say it was it was even though we didn't get a lot of Alfred which I wish we had more of it because I love Andy Serkis so much but like I got emotional during that scene when he when he woke up from after being um, the blast went off, and 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 I got it hit me like a ton of bricks. I I, I think it was just because it's, instead of just outright saying it like I'm I'm like instead of Bruce being like you're you know you're like my father, it was done in a way to where I was like he wasn't gonna say it completely because he's still not that open emotionally to be like yes I love you and but the hand held the hand holding and the I that that shot where it just slowly kind of goes in a little bit on Bruce when he's like I thought I had mastered suppressing all of this and here it comes you can see it in that moment like emoting from him where he's even in that moment he's like I don't want to show emotion right now 
I don't want to show any emotion. And I thought I had pressed the fear, suppressed the fear and, 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 and whatnot of losing someone that I cared about. And I just realized I can't. But then it's almost like it clicks that dark night of the soul moment where he's like, but that's actually like a superpower to like love someone and to care about someone and to have someone that you care about. And then here's that shot of the freaking bat signal in the sky. And we're just like, let's go. Cause they're holding it. <laughs> I mean, cause you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then like, also I remember initially when I first watched it, I was like, man, like you just went after Alfred, like he just got blown up and you just started with like, you lied to me, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And then I realized like, you know what? Okay. He wasn't like not caring about Alfred. It was more that Bruce Wayne, Batman was having an identity crisis because everything he thought he knew just unraveled in front of him. And the only person who can help connect the dots for him was Alfred. You know, Alfred was the one who's kind of always been there, you know, and you know, so this was a moment where Bruce Wayne's whole, what he thought he knew shattered. It's an identity crisis. He doesn't like all this new information is coming at him. So I get why he was like, what the heck, Alfred, you lied to me, blah, 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 about my parents and this and about what kind of a, you know, man my father was. And then Alfred's like, nah, dude, like your dad was human, but he was a good man, but he made mistakes or whatever. So I did like that moment where Alfred was like, no, I did like, he's like, look, man, he's like, your dad was a good dad, but I'm not your dad. And I'm sorry that like, I could. I, I wasn't there for you as a child the way you needed. I was just a freaking bodyguard. I wasn't like a nanny. I wasn't like this, you know? And so I thought that was really beautiful because in that small scene, you go from like, it answers all the questions and it shows everything that Bruce has been dealing with. And then you get the reconciliation between him and Alfred very quickly. And I love it. Totally agree. And also the hand holding, I was like, huh. Oh, and, like, and, yeah. and it's all, yeah, and it's almost saying, it's almost saying, yeah, you needed a dad, and I'm not your dad, but at the same time, by the end of it, he's almost saying, but I kind of am, yeah. because I'm, I'm all you had, and Bruce is almost saying that, yeah, basically, you kind of were the only person that was there for me and stepped in as a father figure, and even though you didn't, you may not have done the best, you, you did, you tried, and we care about each other. So I loved it. The hand holding to me was just like it was the perfect amount because for where he was in that moment, that's a huge step to hold his hand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially because we've talked about, you know, how he's he missed all the cues with Selena and this and that. So to for them to be just kind of on the same page and understanding each other with that hand holding, I feel like it was so small and subtle, but it was deep, you know. Um, so we're getting close to the end because I think we think or what do you hope this film success means for the future of the DC extended universe? I I really hope we do get more just humanity with these characters and not to like make super big comparisons, but it's like that's one of the things I love about the MCU where it's like you feel like these humans are just experiencing these fantastical things. They don't feel like caricatures. They don't feel like just a character. They feel like people going through stuff. And that's how I felt when I was watching the Batman. I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a person going through something. And it was more humanizing. It didn't feel very gimmicky. It didn't feel glossy. It didn't feel like a performance. It felt 
like watching a person go through something. And I really appreciate that. And I really hope that in the future we get more like of that feeling of just like humanity and watching a person experience something and go through something. And yeah, there are these fantastic elements. There are these things that are impossible in real life or they are possible, but you would swiftly end up in prison. Um, like, but it's just the allure of Batman is still there without making it seem like it's out of reach. And I love that. I really did like that part of the movie where it's like, this feels real. And I want that more in the DCEU. I want to feel like I'm watching a person and not just, okay, you got your Batman. Here you go. <laughs> like, I want to feel like I'm watching a human being do more things. And that's what I really appreciate about this film. I'm, okay, hold on, one of my AirPods died. There we go. Okay, I think we're, can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay, I took the other one out. Um, uh, same, I mean, I, I want to see, I want to see where some of these characters are going. I mean, I want to see, obviously, I want to see Robert Pattinson again as Batman. I want to see a growth from, I want to see the, 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 the evolving Bruce Wayne. I really want to see that because I feel like now it's, feel like I think it's one of those things where I know you're supposed to look at a movie just as the movie but I can't help but think of it as like oh wait and that next one comes along and you and then you watch that and you see where he started and you see him grow and all of a sudden you see that Bruce Wayne who's starting to put a persona here a persona here and start real just like you said learning like Selena already knew how to do I want to see Bruce learn how to do that how to how to figure it out and play it in that way I also want to see what happens with Selena. I, I would love to see that. I, I, I want to see Oz because I, I think Colin Farrell was amazing. I think at first when I first heard about it, I was like, what? Okay, well, couldn't you have like any? But then, but then when I saw it, I was like, oh, my. I, I, Colin Farrell was gone, and I saw Oz. I was like, that is Okay, okay, yep, that's – I don't – okay, I believe it. Heck, yeah. And I want to see where that goes because now I feel like he's – gonna rise up and and it could get to this really cool like um what do you call it when you've got the, the you know john Turturro's character was like the uh, what do you call that when you've got a criminal who's like an overlord i guess kind of like a thing like a crime boss kind of yeah yeah so if, if that's where this is going where oz is going to step in now that the city is destroyed it is a perfect opportunity for that to happen so um i'm excited to see that and um you know also i really want to see more jeffrey wright because it would be cool to see like what his family's like. Mm -hmm. I would love to see him go home and talk to his family about dealing with Batman. Yeah, I would love to hear him be like, "Yeah, you got it." This guy, to hear him be like, "I, I mean, I don't. He, I, he, he punched me way too hard." You know, like, <laughs> like I would just love to hear. Him. Comes home with the black eye. What happened? Don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> don't ask. <laughs> I would love to see that because I just feel like I want to see that dynamic at home and going home and talking to his family and be like, and then also maybe even struggling with that of like, as further movies go about Batman crossing a line and seeing how he does it as Gordon and how he also deals with bad people and the, the corrupt cops and how does he, how does he incorporate that? And how does he, you know, come down on that and make it a better city? I would love to see that. Yeah, um, I'm very excited about the idea of like a potential television series and things like that. I think one of the things that I love about the Marvel MCU right now is that they have branched off 
to where you get to see like we have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, this and that, and all these new universes open up with all these different main characters that were just supporting cast in the movies. And I think that this has the potential of doing that, especially with the HBO Max platform. We already saw it with Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. And so I really think that there's a lot of potential here to open up universes and TV series. And I would eat that up because it's been a long time since I've been able to like love DC properties and content coming in, but I would eat that up. I would be all day on the hype train for that. Um, so where can people find you guys on social media? So you can find me primarily on TikTok and Instagram and also on YouTube. I'm going to be a manager's vibe in on TikTok and Instagram, Amanda Castrello on YouTube. And I'm also on Twitter. I'm also a manager's vibe in. That's just my, my thoughts and just whatever comes out of my face at any given moment. And uh, yeah, I, I make videos. I make uh, commentary content. And I think you guys will really enjoy it if you like hearing a bunch of podcasts. <laughs> uh, you can find me on, at, on Instagram at Josh LeCount. And then uh, joshlacount.com has all my other like socials and, and, you know, I'm going to be posting some small, like I like to make scenes and, and, and directing short films right now. So I'll be having things like that. And um, any of my acting stuff will be all there. So at joshlacount and joshlacount.com. Awesome. Well, this is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. We want to thank everyone who tuned in today and especially our guests, Amanda and Josh, for being with us today. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter using the handle at Temple of Geek. If you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows, why don't you head on over to templeofgeek.com. There you will find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.